1: Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: This week, the Clarets face life on the road, with a trip to the Pirelli Stadium to face Burton in the third round of the Carabao Cup and the Cardiff City Stadium for a Premier League six-pointer with Cardiff. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Welcome back to the No Name Never Podcast listeners. It's another week, it's another episode, and our regular panellists are here to dissect everything that's gone on in the last seven days. I am joined as ever by our co-host and regular panellist Robbie Kopak, who this week will be going with Voxy. Vauxy is his handle, and resident statistician Dave Roberts. Dave, Robbie, welcome back to the show.
3: Hello,
2: Howdy. How do you see look at this, listeners? We are in high spirits already. We have got a lot to talk about this week and we are going to start with the away trip to Burton and the defeat out of the Caribou Cup and then we're going to go on and talk about that fantastic three points at Cardiff. So let's do Burton first because it wasn't that pleasant and I think we're all feeling a little bit gutted that we've been knocked out of the cup. So I want to get this over and done with first and then we can get on to more happier matters, i.e. Premier League three points So let's start at Burton, where things didn't really go to plan and what on earth happened. Well, the Clarets travelled away from home to meet a Burton Albion side in the third round of the Caribou Cup, where a victory would see us in the last 16 of the competition. Now, of course, the Clarets entered the League Cup a little bit later this season due to our Europa League exploits, but it was a fantastic opportunity and it's just one that we didn't take. So Robbie, I'm going to come to you first because you made the trip down to Burton and... Well, I guess let's start with with the team because we were all incredibly excited to see a certain Stephen DeFour back in the side. We had Heaton in the nets, but Dyche put out a really strong team with obviously the intention to win. And it was all going fantastically well when Kevin Long scored. And let's let's talk initially, how did Defour settle back into the side and how did the team perform generally?
4: We are a completely different side when he's playing. I, I would have a one-legged Stephen Defoe in our midfield. He's just... All over the place he's he comes deep to get the ball he will drive us forward he passes forwards he was just so positive and he just he looked fit as well so he didn't look knackered after an hour or anything like that he he looked fit as if he um could carry on but it all went a little bit downhill once he was substituted
2: do you do you think that's what you put it to because i've seen a lot of people and from what i've seen certainly there was a difference in our attitude and certainly a, a reduction in our creativity when he left the pitch
4: i, I don't know whether it, I, I can't say whether it was mainly down to the four being, you know taken off but we just seem to lose a little bit of composure after that and we brought on ashley barnes and we went 442 or or and it just didn't work and it were a shame really because i thought this diet cup competition hoodoo has got to come to an end but obviously not.
2: No it really didn't. Well let's talk about that Deitch cup competition hoodoo. Dave, Deitch hasn't got the best of records has he when it comes to knockout cup competitions?
3: No we don't. When you look back at the uh, the stats uh, for domestic cup games, anyway, if you take the European games out of the picture, in his time at Burnley so far he played 21 FA Cup and league cup matches, only have won seven of those, drawn three, and lost eleven. But you have to bear in mind that one of those draws, although two of them were went on to replays, one of them was the penalty shootout defeat. But from a, a, a stats point of view, it's still categorised as a. A draw, even though Burnley lost on uh, on penalties to Leeds United. So more than half of the games, eleven plus the extra one on penalties, Burnley have lost. So that's uh, significantly worse than the overall record when you look at the league matches.
2: Well, that's I think one of the most disappointing aspects of those stats is the teams we've gone out against. Now, if my recollection is right, Dave, and correct me if I'm wrong, we've lost against Burton Leeds. Accrington, Port Vale and of course Lincoln. Now, we've only won one actually I do really love this stat. We've only won one in the last seven which was against Blackburn which still makes me laugh hilariously, but that's I mean I don't I don't want us to get all, ooh, we're a big big hotshot Premier League outfit now and we should be beating lower opposition, but we are a Premier League outfit and we finished 7th in the Premier League last season. We should not be losing. Those games to lower divisions, Dave.
3: Uh, not all of them, no. I mean, you you, you expect the odd, odd blip and you, you get cup upsets, but it seems to be well. I guess Leeds form. being the obvious
2: one, yeah. that was a tough game, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah.
3: It, it's it's habit forming in some some respects in that it perhaps wasn't totally unexpected the fact that we did go out at the uh, the hands of Burton. I mean, we did have lots of chances in the uh, in the game, but you know we, we couldn't finish it off, and they they came back into the game and uh, in the end with the chances they took, the uh, they, they probably deserved it.
2: So looking at the, at the actual game itself, Robbie, what did you pick up on the atmosphere at the ground? Did it feel like the players were doing everything they could to get these games and get us to progress? Or did you feel like there was something missing?
4: No, I actually th- I thought we actually went for it. Like the team line-up suggested that. And the atmosphere, like I just want to talk about the away end first, like the atmosphere in the away end was top class. I haven't seen the attendance figures, but I bet they were probably really close to Burnley having more fans than Burton fans there. I think there were just, it felt like just a over
3: 1,000, Robbie, on the, uh, on the Burnley fans out About a crowd of just under 2,500, so it's nearly half.
4: Really? Nearly Well, there you go. I don't know where to go with it, because we've played quite well. I don't think it was a poor performance until really the final half an hour where it just seems just to go downhill dramatically. I think we're going to talk about Tom Heaton for hopefully both goals. We saw McNeil come into the side. I don't think he had the best of games, to be honest. I'm trying to think of the positives, but there weren't many, to be honest.
2: Well, I think certainly some of our fans were really annoyed with it. I know I saw a couple of tweets on Twitter which summed up the atmosphere, certainly at home anyway. Matt Smith tweeted, imagine thrashing Bournemouth in the Premier League and everyone's buzzing before losing to Burton three days later. That's peak Burnley and Jake Mandich apologies if I mispronounce that but he says typical Burnley spank Bournemouth on Saturday and get beat by Burnton on a Tuesday love it not you know the, the fans are pretty frustrated Dave and I think all of us were all of us were very much thinking that this was a fantastic opportunity for us to to progress into into a calling cup. I mean I keep calling it the calling cup. I think I'm gonna always call it the calling cup. It's the Caribou Cup. Dave, I, I mean I was furious at the end of the game. I couldn't I couldn't hide my disappointment and I, I felt like it was a really good opportunity regardless of how well we'd started in the league you did you share that anger how did you feel when the, when the final was uh,
3: resigned to it in some ways and the fact that you know we, it wasn't the first time we've uh, had a similar scenario. I, I suppose the the difficulty is is that you you see yourself getting so far in the tournament because of the uh, Europa League and getting into the last 32. I think we discussed it in the podcast last week saying that you know Burnley were only 270 minutes away from a, a semi-final just just three games because none of them were going to go to uh, to extra time or replays because of the way it's uh, set up for this season so yeah there was, there was that opportunity wasn't the first you know winning that first game winning two more and then getting through to a semi-final but you know it is a game at a time and we couldn't uh, get over that first hurdle
2: yeah it's such a shame i'm oh i can't help it lessons i am really really annoyed but one thing that did cheer me up quite a lot before I go on to the final point, and I don't know whether or not you can shed any light on how this started, Robbie, but I was very much enjoying the Kevin Long baby shark song. Please tell me you were responsible for starting that.
4: I wasn't responsible and I didn't enjoy it either.
2: <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Robbie Coppock, Where is your sense of humour?
4: I'm sorry. <laughs> I I've been singing it all week. Bit. I thought you would
2: I, be. <laughs> I have been. And then when um, when talk, Talkie went off and the Cardiff game and Kevin Long came on, I was seen at the TV. I got something thrown at me. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm disappointed anyway. I would very much have liked you to uh, have started that. Um, so both of you, one thing that hasn't been talked about and – Oh, this is going to be potentially an unpopular opinion amongst our listeners because, yes, we love him and, yes, we want him to do well and there's a lot of support out there for Tom Heaton. But I was pretty disappointed with his keeping for both of their goals. Robbie, that second one in particular, was he's got to be disappointed with them, surely.
4: I look at the first one more, to be honest. He's beaten at his near post. Like, no goalkeeper should get beat there. And it looked a fairly comfortable. He just had to get his body behind it. I don't think there was much movement on the ball. I don't know whether he just misread it or whether he was couldn't see it or something. But you can sort of let go one mistake. And then the second one, I just think it's a shambles from everyone in the back four. God, I, I don't know what Ben Mee's doing. I don't know what Tom Eaton's doing. He goes right through his... I It's not, not through his legs, but he goes right into the middle of the goal where you think he should be saving it.
2: Yeah, I agree. Dave, what was your take? Uh, I think he's... He's, he's, he's obviously trying to fight for his place back, but I'm not entirely sure he did himself that many favors. Do you?
3: Well, I think it stems from I think it was Dwight McNeil who gave the ball away, wasn't it? And then uh, the ball came over to the right, and uh, I mean it's fairly powerful shot in the end, but you'd expect or hope that Tom Heaton would uh, would save it, and you know if if he had, we might be uh, talking differently about the game. But yeah, the way Joe Hart's playing, I think uh, he, he's uh, definitely going to be keeping the shirt for the time being.
2: Yeah, and I guess something that we'll come on to talk about when we we dissect the Cardiff game, I think uh, Joe Hart certainly, like you say, won't be under any danger at the moment. So that's, that's what it is, Burnley fans. We are... Out of the cup again this year, and our only in fact that's two cup, two cup competitions we're now out of so far, and it's the first of October. We're doing well. It looks like it's obviously well, it's not looks like it is just the FA Cup for us this season if we want to bring home some silverware and concentrate on staying in the Premier League. But I don't want to dwell too much on on the Burton game. We we know what it was. We have not broken the lower league curse. I guess my only satisfaction from the Burton game is that Daish himself seemed to be pretty annoyed at the end of the game and certainly wasn't pleased with... Yeah, he doesn't get angry that often, does he? But I think he found it quite difficult to hide his annoyance that we'd gone out of the cup already. So I think at least I know that deep down there, there is something in there that's making him want to progress in cup competitions massively. So let's move on and let's look at Cardiff away. As we know, Clarets um, yesterday was yet another Sunday game for us this season. The Clarets have played just once so far on a Saturday. So we this time we went away and we were on Sky, at uh, the Cardiff City Stadium, to play a newly promoted Cardiff side who, shall we say, are struggling to adapt to life in the Premier League. A lot of people were considering this to be a relegation six-pointer given Burnley's poor start to the Premier League. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. But still, it was a pressured game in the sense that these are the ones that you have to try and pick some points up if you want to stay away from those bottom three spaces in the Premier League. It was not a fully entertaining game, which we will go on to talk about in a minute, but the Clarets came back with all three points. Thanks to two wonderful goals. One from JBG, which was a skillful header at the near post. Shall we go with that one? And then another header from our boy Voxer who just hit peaks and Vox and he, he very rarely misses a few of those. So let's have a look at what you guys had to say on Twitter. I think from a performance level, no, not from a performance level, I think from an entertainment perspective, there was pretty much a unanimous view that that first half wasn't the best Ben Kilbride said this game has gone beyond football and has created its own sport which made me laugh quite a lot Nick who's Sussex Claret said Burton was the worst I've seen us play in God knows how long what's the saying you wait ages for a bus and then two come at once come on Burnley and that's obviously in relation to the performance at Cardiff so Robbie that first half sum it up for us
4: awful (laughs) awful I, 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 <laughs> I was expecting that, I've got to be fair. <laughs> to be, I, pardon my language, but all week I've been calling it the tells <laughs> derby. And that's literally what it was. It was just dreadful football. Did you see up to Joel's, uh stat after the game? I the, did you had, not
2: know, tell no. us.
4: The first half between Cardiff and Burnley just saw 280 passes attempted with a 59% completion rate. Both season low figures for a first half in the Premier League. That doesn't. Oh, wow, really? That does not surprise me one jot. <laughs> hey, Did Did either side keep the ball on the floor for five consecutive passes?
2: wait we, well, we certainly didn't. No, that, no, <laughs> maybe they, they did, they did a couple of times.
4: Oh, no, I
2: mean, you've got awful. to say though. I think Dave they they definitely played better than we did, didn't they? I think it, it must have been very frustrating for 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 them to go in at half time just at nil nil.
3: Yeah, I mean, from from Burnley's point of view, to get in at 0-0 at half-time was uh, a good outcome, really. I mean, the, the, the chances they had, Burnley sort of weathered the storm. And, uh, yeah, I don't think any Burnley fan would have been displeased going in at uh, 0-0. And, you know, that goes for the, the players and the manager as well. But obviously, a few things were said and things have improved a little bit in the second half.
2: Yeah, that that's fair enough. It? And it, it doesn't... It certainly doesn't surprise us, does it, to see Burnley trying to just stay in the game in the first half. It's a, it's a blueprint that Dutch has been using for over a season now. He just plays tight. He doesn't really go for it in the first half. And he just tries to make sure that they go in at half-time, either at nil-nil or still within touching distance of the game and try and get something out of the second half. It's always a risky strategy because you are then only giving yourself 45 minutes to try and win win the game. But I this one particularly, I was very, very surprised at just how much we sat back and just how much we didn't create anything or go for anything. Jamie Crowther tweeted, our two more skillful players are on the wings, yet we just insist on pumping it up to Volks from the back. Um, obviously, he was referring to these long balls. And Jamie Smith, who regular listeners will remember as our absent host, who, who hosted the, the podcast for a good few years, he said, why are we playing long balls against Cardiff? Utterly like, stupid tactics, which may have been slightly censored. Robbie, that that's frustrated the Burnley Burnley fans, didn't it? In that first half, it, there was just no to, to say we created so much against Bournemouth and we really went for it. There was nothing, was there? I mean, it wasn't those long balls up front were never going to work.
4: No, and we've only one big man up there as well. Like we usually, if we're going to go that direct, we usually have Barnes and Boats up there or a Chris Wood alongside and. It just wasn't sticking. It wasn't even going towards not even close to Sam Vox, who was feeding off scraps. And we were just playing into Cardiff's hands. Like I said it last week, they were on the back of a reaction after a 5 nil defeat at, uh, against Man City. And, you know, us sitting back and just inviting balls into the box or just getting their crowd up and just letting them build momentum. It, we had to get into the faces and try and like kill the game a little bit and keep the ball and just, silenced the atmosphere, and we didn't do that.
2: No, we really didn't. Um, Dave, one point that, that Tom Webb made, which was slightly tongue-in-cheek, but did make me laugh quite a bit, he said, is the good news is we can kick it really, really far now, which is obviously trying to, to clutch at some kind of a positive from the game, perhaps taking the Michael slightly. But I think just insisting on hoofing the ball up to, to votes, it one thing that it got me is it, it rendered Vidra completely like redundant he didn't have anything to do and he couldn't create anything because he's not the player you should be hoofing balls up to
3: yeah and i th- I, th- I think quite a few times as well sam folks having to come so deep himself so we weren't getting any penetration into the uh, the cardiff half at all and it did show in that first half although we, we broke out of it a little bit in the second half we didn't we didn't create that much but you know, in in the end we did create the two chances and uh, we were clinical with them took them really well so i guess we're uh, we're grateful for that
2: yeah I was really pleased with that actually. I mean we'll come on to the goals in the second half shortly but to see Burnley have two chances and take them both is is really great because that's maybe something that we've been critical of this Burnley side in in previous seasons, isn't it? That they needed sort of four or five chances just to try and put one away and you just don't get that luxury in the Premier League. So it was good to at least be clinical for once. Robbie, one change in the first half, which was perhaps not in, well, it definitely wasn't in Darcher's plans, was the substitution of Tarkovsky, who went down in what looked like it was his shoulder initially. And then it got confirmed later on, they'd gone off uh, with a groin strain. Jamie Crowther quite rightly pointed out that Tarkowski's gone off with a knock so we'll see you in April uh, we we all know what uh, Burnley players records are with just taking a knock it usually means we're out of the out of the the game for maybe 6 months but i, I kind of felt like we lost our shape a little bit particularly at set pieces when Tarkowski went
4: off yeah uh, he, again like Tark gives us that a little bit of composure of, in terms of like playing out from the back a little bit and Kevin Long's a bit more I don't want to dumb him down, but he is—he seems like a more of a like a no-nonsense kind of defender who will just clear his lines, and that's no surprise when you're in and out of a a side where he's not really playing consistently. So I can sort of understand has been a little bit bit more shaky at the back, but I think I think he did okay. I agree. I think Sean Dyche saying his post-match presser afterwards that that's a difficult game to come on into, and he—I thought he did. I agree with Dutch where he said he did really well in that
2: yeah I, I agree with that actually and I know some people have raised some concerns about about Kevin Long and not being good enough as a substitution sorry substitute for especially considering how good me and Tarkovsky are but I thought it was terrific when he came on to the point where by the time we got into the second half I'd almost forgotten that Tarkovsky had gone off and that's not to be critical of long and say he was you know, in any way invisible or didn't make an impact. It's just that he'd slotted in so well into that back four that I, I just felt like it was pretty pretty comfortable. So let's move on to that, that second half then. And it was a much better performance. Clearly, he'd said something at halftime. Oh, actually, no, before, before we move on to the second half, w- one thing that I would like to, to mention with you both, so this has just come into my head. One thing that a lot of fans were voicing concern about at the end of that first half on Sunday was what we touched on earlier, which was a lack of identity or a loss of identity as Burnley side have have displayed this season. Uh, quite a few people, I'll just read out a, f- a few of the selected ones. Aaron Wright said that this is reminding me of two years ago away, sit back and wait to concede. UTC Dave Firming had uh, retweeted this and he said, if this was a better team we'd be getting smashed now it's blowing my mind how with such little difference to our team how much worse we are playing to last season even in some of our losses last season we didn't look bad or a ref's decision swayed it that way but this is 100% on us and Dal Kieran DAL said we are unrecognizable to any Burma team I've seen in recent years we can't even do the basics right now, before we move on to the second half, which was obviously a much better performance, Dave, is that a fair assessment from Burnley fans? Are we right to be concerned with this dip in, in, I'm going to call a dip in discipline, I guess, more than anything? We don't look like we're fighting for things anymore at the moment.
3: Um, I think that's true to some extent, although you have to remember as well, we had such a good start to uh, last season. Uh, we had the really good run, you know, got ourselves into fourth place. When you look after that, we obviously had the uh, run of eleven games. I think it was without a win. We then had five consecutive wins, and then we had another five without a win. So if you if you <laughs> if you were to take those five wins out of the picture, you know, Sean Datch does say it, doesn't he? It's fine margins. It really is in the division, and you know, you've got to fight, you know, tooth and nail. Uh, every every draw, every point, every win uh, that you can get. So you know, yeah, it wasn't pretty yesterday, but getting the three points was the the main thing. And you know, the the fact that we got the the three points and and scored a hatful against Bournemouth gives us hope that you know in other games we can turn it on a little bit and perhaps get more wins that way. But. Now, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? We know we know we're not going to go out. When, you know, it's unlikely. Probably we're going to get five wins in a row against this uh, again this season. But we have just got to keep going, keep going, and and do what we can, and you know, hope those results come. And you know, the fact we've got back to back wins is, uh, is 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 really good, despite. Obviously, yesterday, the performance not being the best.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's really difficult, isn't it? Because we're comparing an exceptional season last year. Now, by the 1st of October last season, Burnley had only played six uh, played games. No, they'd only played six games, sorry, whereas we've, we've played seven this time. So we were only on eight points by the 1st of October last season. And we're on seven now. And you've got to pay a little bit of attention to the league table as well. Like, when, by the time we'd played, I guess, it, where have we got to? Let's say we played seven games last season and I think we'd gone up to sixth place on 12 points Um, I'm pretty sure I saw on the table today that if if we'd have those same results this season we'd only be in ninth with the goal difference and that's only two places above where we are now and we're already ahead in the table of Southampton, West Ham, Everton so you know people are saying to us that we're struggling and that you know we're not having anywhere near as good a season as we had last season but we're only seven games in and it's not you know, we're not a million miles away from where we were last season. And people talking about us, us beating massively big teams. But, you know, by the 1st of October last year, we'd only beaten Chelsea. That was the only big team. The next team was obviously Everton to come, which was saw the end of Cumin. But, you know, if we're looking at the 1st of October, albeit slightly skewed with the different number of games, you know, you can, you can look at stats however you want to and you can look at the table last season and... and Try and think, you know, you know, put pressure on ourselves and think, well, Burnley are playing nowhere near where they did this time last season. But I don't think we're a million miles away. But we did, you know, we did get the win. And I think one of the things that we needed to look at was was just how spectacular Volks's goal was. I think everybody fully acknowledges that Goodmunson did play a great part in getting us straight off the blocks and, and to get... That first goal, but it was obviously counteracted by a Cardiff equaliser pretty quickly. So we'll come back onto those in a minute. But I want to concentrate on Volks's goal because Robbie's just picked out earlier on that Volks got nothing in that first half. He was you could see he was frustrated. And actually, if you look at his heat map, and we all know young Dave loves a heat map, he he spent most of the half in defence. He, he was you know, defending for his life and he had nothing. But he popped up with an absolutely fantastic goal, Dave, and a, and a real classic boxing.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the heat maps, the average position of every Burnley player taking a touch was in their own half. So that kind of shows Burnley's ability to to attack. But when we did get in those positions, yeah, Sam Voxie's uh, header for that second goal, how he got the angle and the power to get that across and into the goal it was uh, expertly done
2: Yeah and I think I think Robbie one of I think quite a few fans were a little bit frustrated with Vokes in the first half and I think possibly unfairly not that I'm that unbiased but Mark Ashworth said that Volks is having a very poor game for me and I would like to see Barnes replace him at least to help the ball stick when we belt it long Martin Bidolf said that sort of five, 5.26 get Vokes off he's playing rubbish and then obviously a minute later he ends up scoring so uh, Robbie I must been pleased for Vox to get off the mark for his first goal.
4: Yeah, I think it's difficult for strikers because they don't I think Vox does the ugly stuff really well and I think he didn't He didn't get the credit he probably deserved for dropping so deep which isn't really a part of his game and it is It is difficult when you're playing on your own with very little support. I don't think there was like Gumminson and Lennon worked within like 10 yards of him so it was difficult for him to really like have any form of impact on the game but yeah, on, on his goal I think I think we have to criticise the Cardiff goalkeeper. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, he's stu- he stood by his post when Gubbinson crosses it. Like, it's uh, it's like non-league goalkeeping. It's weird, but I think Fox to get his head around the ball and to put it into the opposite corner to give the keeper no chance, he deserves a lot of credit for that because I don't think it was an easy header
2: well no I, I don't think it was an easy header either and I think Dave Firminger did point this out on Twitter and he said Volks is one of the best headers of the ball in front of the goal and we have seen that that much now Robbie that I think he, he just does he not just make it look easier than it actually is
4: yeah are we forgetting about his misses against Olympiacos though That's what yes I Robbie of. we're going to gloss over that <laughs> we- <laughs> Honestly.
2: <laughs> don't be don't be uh bringing Volksie down in front of me. No, You're on dodgy Ground far. there, and Robbie. No, <laughs> We're championing be... his heading skills right now.
4: No, joking aside, he is probably one of the best headers of the ball in the in the side. Like one of my favourite Sam Volks headers is the header away at Southampton last season. I think that's my favourite oh, Sam Volks yeah. goal. I, think I love that. I think that shows all his quality in terms of his aerial presence.
2: Yeah, I agree. Dave, we've perhaps unfairly questioned as fans. How long Volks has got left in this side now, and whether or not he can still cut it at this level? I think with this side around him, I don't really think there can be any questions, can there?
3: He's doing what's asked of him every uh, every game, and he's uh, you know he, he did exactly what was asked for him at, uh, at Cardiff yesterday. Um, and there are times, you know, again in the uh, Bournemouth game to some extent, he wasn't sort of in and around it all the time. He's not sort of you know an out and out striker in, in, in the way a lot of strikers are, but you know, he gets the job done. He comes back, I mean, you see him defending for corner. I think he got he got taken out by Joe Hart at one point, didn't he? Uh, uh Joe Hart sort of clattered him uh, once. He got uh on for that. So he's he's an important player defensively as well for Burnley. But he does get the goals. He's, uh, you know, he's had a few golden spells, hasn't he? Had a, a little uh, purple patch at the end of the season. We uh, we stayed up, and then again, obviously, he scored at uh, at Chelsea and had a decent one the start of that season as well. You know, he's ne- never going to be a player. who's going to score. You know won every two or three games, but it does get important goals for the team.
2: Yeah, it really does. So on the flip side of that, we needed to rely on another man-of-the-match performance by none other than Joe Hart. Now, Robbie, you and I have talked about this this season and just how good... Joe Hart has been in the nets and how we believe he quite rightly has earned that number one slot at the moment and is, is justifiably keeping Heaton out of the side. Chris Borden who our listeners will know as the head of Burnley over at uh, the, is it Lancashire Telegraph is that or is it? No, it knows no, the Express know. isn't it, Burnley Express at Burnley Express guard I don't want to them up the wrong way around sorry Chris he did question on Twitter during the second half is it still fashionable to bash your heart? another very good save Robbie he massively massively deserved that man in the match performance didn't he
4: yeah grass is green <laughs> but I think it was just after the Watford game I game. I were a little bit critical of him in terms of him controlling like a six yard box and just the penalty area in general but I know a couple of people who are close to me who are big Man City fans and they they pretty much said the same things as me that he prefers to punch rather than catch and that sort of reassured me that he still can be the same Joe Hart that, that's won two Golden Gloves and won a couple of Premier Leagues and played in a Champions League semi-final and... You could tell on Sunday that he's played for a top, top side. It brought so much like reassurance as well. Like I, I felt so confident that we were going to see the game out at 2-1 with him, with him between the sticks.
2: Yeah, that's really reassuring, isn't it? Because that's something we've always said, both with Heaton and with Nick Pope, that we if Burnley could just edge their way in front with that back fall that we had and either Heaton or Pope in the net, that we just felt massively confident that we would go ahead and get get the three points and I'm starting to see that with Joe Hart and I think Billy Mercer and our goalkeeping staff have worked absolute wonders with him. David the only other couple of talking points from the half really were a couple of penalty shouts for both sides. Now we all love a whinging, whining, depressed, upset, Neil Warnock. It's one of the most beautiful sights in football. Um, his quote after the game, he said about the Matt Lawton handball, or his perceived one, is, uh, he thought it was a penalty. And he went on to say, you don't get penalties being a smaller club. Oh my God, Dave. How many games have Burnley just gone consecutively without a penalty? Uh,
3: it's exactly 50, Cardiff was the uh, 50th game, yeah.
2: It is exactly 50. Yes. But do you know what, Neil, you just come back and whinge to us about not getting penalties as smaller clubs when you've not had one for 50 games. Dave, there's two. So there's two penalty incidents to talk about. Number one was the handball from Matt Lawton, which was very, very close range, although I have seen them given. Um, But there was also a penalty shout for us. Remind, was it folks?
3: It was on votes. yeah.
2: It was on books, wasn't it? Yeah. Dave, the Cardiff penalty shout first. Was it handball or not?
3: You've seen them given, but I, I don't think it should be. There were comparisons, weren't there, to the um, Newcastle United one on, uh, on Saturday. That one was...
2: More, yes, that's sort right. of
3: Clambering with both hands for the ball on that one, I think you can understand perhaps why that one was was given. <laughs> um, I think it'd be, it'd be really, really harsh on the, on Matt Lotham, Bearing in mind, foot was up anyway. I mean, the foot was kind of head high, so that that could have been deemed dangerous kicking anyway. And literally, his hands, what two, three feet away from the the ball, and is he's, he's, yeah, I, I don't think that's a penalty. The other one, the other the one on uh, on Sam Vokes. He's too honest. Again, we had one. It's going back several seasons now. Oh, I think the match have playing Swansea City. It was at Turf Moor. And he, was, he, he stayed in his feet. Stayed in his feet. And it, it, I think he went down at the end. But, I mean, the, the, this, they say it, don't they, the pundits on, uh, on match today? Oh, you know, he maybe should have gone down the first contact. It's like, well, he shouldn't have to. The ref, the referee should be taking that into account. And, and, unfortunately, they don't. And, you know, once again, we didn't get the penalty. I mean, he, he was the last one who, who scored a penalty, Sam Vokes. And put away the one we got at, at Goodison Park it's back in uh, um, April 2017.
2: My god that was some time ago <laughs> I don't think I even remember it. it's been that long ago. Um, Dave you're right though it's, it's really starting to annoy me is this manipulation by the pundits and the experts on Sky and on Match of the Day by criticising players for not going down as soon as they feel contact and getting the penalty and for being too honest. You can't be punishing players for being too honest and you can't be encouraging players, you're basically giving the deli allies of the world an opportunity to go down and win these soft penalties. And there is so much wrong in this league around the issue of penalties. There really, really is. And commentators will just manipulate the scenario to suit whichever team they're protecting at the moment. And, And for once in this game, we were perhaps the better, well, we were the better side, but we were the more established Premier League side. So the, the commentators were very much on our favour, weren't they? And they were saying no, that folks should have gone down and won the penalty, but it's not right and it really does irritate me.
3: Well, it's not. Did you see the one? there was one, um, uh, Danny Rose, wasn't there, for uh, Tottenham against uh, Huddersfield, where he seemed to just fling himself to the floor and the referee couldn't wait to give the penalty?
2: Yeah. Oh, honestly, it's just, I can't there's so much. For all of the glamour and the coverage and the brilliant things that the Premier League gives. There are so many things that irritate me about this league and the issue of penalties and diving and player simulation is just it's just the absolute worst. But I'm not that's one for another day listeners. Maybe if you feel like venting and getting things off your chest this week, then maybe that's a topic for you to tweet us at None and Ever or, or tweet one of the panel, any of us, and just tell us what really bugs you about the Premier League because I'm in the mood this week to to have a good old debate about everything that's wrong with this league. <laughs>
3: Give them both barrels.
2: Give and yeah, no. Let's have a good old fashioned whinge this week. I'm in the mood for it, listeners. Come on, tweet me and let me know how how you what really annoys you. So there we are. I mean, Robbie, that was it. It was a it was an ugly win, but it was oh, well, actually no, it was one that uh, we'd have taken every single day of the week, wouldn't it? Given those choices, surely the three points were the main thing. It didn't really matter in the end of the day what the performance levels were like.
4: Yeah, definitely, and. It's proof that we can be ruthless in front of goal as well. But was it three attempts on goal all all afternoon? I think it were three. So
2: yeah, three with two of them. I think only two of them were on target. When we scored both of them, in fact, Warnock had another whinge about that, didn't? At the end, saying, "Oh, they they had two chances and took them both, and that's why they finished seventh in the league."
3: Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> What?
2: Oh, well, I think uh, Keith Till did sum it up quite nicely for me, where he just tweeted at the end of the game, I'll settle for winning ugly every time up for Clarets. And I think I would probably agree with that. Three points is three points. We can we can work on finesse later on. Uh,
4: before we finish, Natalie. Uh,
2: yeah, go um, ahead.
4: Can I have a little more on it? Neil Warnock? I know how much you love Neil Warnock.
2: Believe me, it's over to you, Robert. Go ahead and mourn. <laughs> did
4: you hear his post match comments afterwards? Yes. Like, we, we take gripes, we have a little gripe at Sean Dyche about recruitment and the spending powers of what other, the, the market leaders have, et cetera, et cetera. Neil Warren not come out and if Sean Dyche ever said this and said, oh, we've got Tottenham away and Liverpool away next, so we'll just get them out of the way and hopefully we'll keep, it, hopefully be keeping in touch. He shouldn't be managing in the Premier League with comments like that. This is no, he shouldn't. It's just absolutely appalling, like. In his pre-match comments he said that he prefers a championship and he prefers to manage at that level and Cardiff needs to get shot of him immediately.
2: They really do. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It, it it's not it's one of those really where I don't I don't like seeing people out of a job even if it is Warnock and I don't you know, everybody should be given an opportunity to push themselves and to manage at the highest level and to, to excel in their job. But he is so far out of his depth in this league. He's waving the white flag already and they are seven games in and I think Cardiff fans, even the ones who have got all the love for Warnock and other ones who are very grateful for him for getting them up into that league, they need to accept that he needs to go just because he's, he's an old school manager and I don't think that's necessarily automatically a bad thing. But Warnock has not been in the Premier League and has not been in top flight football for quite a number of years. And he just doesn't understand and he's not up to date with modern football practice and he's massively out of his depth. And I can't believe when he comes out with comments like that after the game that that's not rubbing off on the players. And they must automatically be thinking, well, we're just waiting for the for what's it called for the season to be over and then that attitude spills onto the fans as well and this is an absolutely fantastic opportunity for Cardiff they are back in the top flight they're in the Premier League if you think to what we were like in 2009 when we went up, we knew we weren't going to stay up we knew we were going to get battered but for the first half of the season until Coyle walked out we were having the time of our lives and Warnock is robbing the Cardiff fans of that opportunity and that to me Regardless of whether he got them promoted or not, he's got to go. Even if the Cardiff board don't spend massively or they don't bring in somebody, you know, who, who is going to finish them at the table. Even if they just get somebody who's going to give the fans something to chant about and give the players some hope that they can finish seventeenth and give themselves one more shot, that's what they need to be employing. I, I think is if if Dutch came out and said that in any of our seasons, I would be livid. I really would. But yeah, so. there we go. Yeah. But yes, no, thank you for that, Robbie. That's a very good contribution to Sweet Shore because it's allowed me to lose control of my. I was going to be really disciplined, listeners, and I wasn't going to have a go at Neil Warnock, but you've all heard it here, unless Matt completely shafts me and edits that bit out. That was definitely Robbie making me lose control. Go on, go on, so let's move on and let's look ahead. To Burnley's next game, where we are finally back at Turf Moor, and we are, and it's a Saturday game again, and we are entertaining Huddersfield Town in what some boring, cliched, uneducated football pundits are also calling a six pointer. Dave, you have done the lowdown on Burnley versus Huddersfield. You have all the head to head for us. Over to you.
3: Yeah, I've looked back at the uh, the previous games between the two sides at, uh, at Turf Moor, and Burnley have got. Uh, a really, really good record um, against Huddersfield. We have suffered one defeat to them reasonably recently, back in February 2013. First time Sean Deitch was manager of Burnley against Huddersfield. Uh, we went down by goal to nil in that game. James Vaughan was a scorer of Huddersfield. Uh, I was looking back on the highlights some of these games as well. Burnley uh, had loads of chance in the game, but just couldn't couldn't find the back of the net and put one away. So that's the only defeat Burnley have had, looking back over the last eleven games, that's going back from about nineteen seventy-three to the present day, just one defeat. Huddersfield have just had one win on their their travels at Turf Moor, so it's a pretty good record uh, that Burnley have.
2: Starts like that do worry me, though, Dave. Well, yeah, they're there, they're there
3: to be beaten, aren't they? They do worry me. They, they Did you win? Well, yeah, that's one way of looking at it, but it, yeah, they, they, they don't have. It's not the happiest hunting ground for. Uh, uh, for them uh, Before that you've, you've got to go back um, it's, it's actually 45 years For the uh, the last time uh, Burnley lost to Huddersfield At Turf Moor Good, good Well that was an FA Cup game Back in uh, January 1972 um, and again, they won by uh, a goal to nil. Perhaps we sh- should expect maybe a, a low scoring uh, game, particularly if uh, if Huddersfield are going to get on top. Uh, that was back when Jimmy Adamson was uh, manager of Burnley back in uh, January 1972. Um, but I, I looked a bit, little bit further back as well, f- trying to find some uh, some interesting games from that. It's, it's amazing you do often find these uh, little oddities when when you look through the nineteen twenty twenty one season, which was uh, memorable for being Burnley's uh, becoming champions of England for the first time. We had a, we had a really really poor start to the season, so Burnley had lost the first three games. We played Bradford City home and away and lost. And I think in between those two games, we'd played at Huddersfield. They'd beaten us in this day and age. I think they, uh, they'd been bane for the uh, the manager to be sacked after three games, but they didn't. Um, Burnley finally registered the first win uh, by 3-0 uh, when uh, Huddersfield came to Turf Moor. Um, and that kind of seemed to kickstart our season. Uh, well, particularly so. We, we went on a, a remarkable run of, of 30 league matches.
2: 30?
3: Three zero. Well, that that stood as a record for uh, for for a lot of years. There's, there's actually um, a, a plaque. I, I think it's still in the tunnel area behind the uh, near where the changing rooms are at, at Turf Moor. There's a big plaque which lists all the uh, all the games in the uh, unbeaten run uh, that Burnley managed that season. Which obviously you know, they ended the city. They did lose a few games towards the end, but the uh, they were champions of England for. the for the first time in, in 1920, 21. But yeah, the Huddersfield game, uh, that kick started our season back in uh, back in nineteen twenty.
2: Wow. So have we got anything closer to, to the the current day, Dave? Can we bring us back into the nineties?
3: Yeah, well, going back into the nineties, we um we played Huddersfield in uh it was Football League trophy, was the Autoglass trophy in uh, 1992. Um, we won 2-0 uh, that game, 90, 1991-92 season, which again was another uh, promotion season for Burnley. Uh, we beat Huddersfield uh, 2-0 that day. We had uh, goals from Mike Conroy, scored a penalty, and Roger Eli. John Deary, you may remember, was uh, sent off uh, later in the game, but didn't affect the result Um, And although we did um, win the fourth division title that season, we did lose to Stockport in the Northern final over two legs. They went on to lose, I think, to um, Stoke in the overall final. But Burnley just couldn't go that extra step and get through to the the final of the Autoglass Trophy as it was then. Um, And then looking at um, even more recent games, since that defeat in 2013, which I mentioned already, uh, Burnley have won twice and drawn once against Huddersfield at Turf Moor. Um, the two wins uh, both came in championship uh, promotion seasons. So that's 2013 uh, 14. That was New Year's Day 2014. Really exciting game that one. Burnley won it 3 2. Danny Ings scored twice and Kieran Trippier scored. And uh, a former Claret scored both of um, uh, Huddersfield Towns' goal. Do you remember who that was?
2: Uh...
3: Martin Patterson. Correct.
2: Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to call you out there, Robbie Coppa, because there's no way you remembered that. You were looking at Dave's show notes. He
4: scored twice. He scored twice.
2: And I know that because I was frantically trying to look for them as well when Dave put me on the spot to try and cheat. So I'm calling you out because you got to cheat before I did. Yes, Dave, it was Martin Patterson.
4: I definitely... I. I definitely did not cheat, honest. I trust you, Ron. My memory's just great. So,
3: yeah, we won that 1-3-2. That was on uh, New Year's Day 2014. And then the following promotion season, the well, championship winning season, it was fairly early on in the season. We played them. That was in October of 2015. Uh, Burnley won 2-1. Uh, Andre Gray scored both the goals. Uh, one of them was a penalty. What's that? Uh, Talk about penalties. Uh, we, we got one against Huddersfield.
2: I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. <laughs>
3: No. And then the most recent game, again, talking about uh, penalties, it was a drab 0 0 draw. No, was it? <laughs> Biggest talking point, was probably a penalty that wasn't given. It was um, uh, Rajiv Van Lepara who um, had an attempted dive at the child, well, sort of uh, Matt Lothan in close attendance.
2: Oh, that was last season, wasn't it? Yeah, that was awful.
3: Yeah, he went down and uh, the referee quite rightly booked him for uh, for simulation for that one. Yeah, it was proper cheating, wasn't it? And that's all I had. Well, just
2: quite comprehensive, Dave. I think that's probably the most we've had in a head-to-head report for quite some time. Um, Robbie, Dave has given us the facts and what paper would suggest, but what's your gut feeling about Saturday? How do you think we'll do?
4: Uh, sorry, can I just go back? Oh, yes, of course. I talk about penalty appeals. There were Jeff Hendricks at... Huddersfield last year wasn't it which
2: oh god yeah of course yeah that was the that was at the away game at uh, is it still the McAlpine Huddersfield's ground
4: Uh, John Smith I think it is John
2: Smith now um Yes, of course. And it was that ridiculously obvious one where the the, the referee didn't give it, which started us all on this just, I guess, belief that we were never ever going to win a penalty again as long as we lived. I've forgotten about that.
4: But yeah, the game on Saturday, we have to win the game. I think anything less than three points would be hugely disappointing. I expect us to win the game quite comfortably, but Huddersfield are winless, I think. Have they even scored a goal yet, Huddersfield? They've scored, haven't they? Just, but yeah, the game I on guess, Saturday. believe that we're um, never, ever
2: going to win a penalty again as long win as we live. I've forgotten
4: about that. Anything less than three points would be hugely disappointing. I expect us to win the game quite comfortably, but Huddersfield are winless, I think. Uh, have they even scored a goal yet, Huddersfield? Statman man Dave? They've scored, haven't they? I don't think they've scored at home. I'm not sure about their away record, though.
2: Um, Well, you carry on,
4: and I will have a look for you. Yeah, I I expect him to. I I expect us to win the game quite comfortably. I I think Huddersfield are a bit like Cardiff at the moment and sort of lack any firepower. Um, Hopefully, we can be solid at the back, which we we're showing signs of. They've scored three. They've scored three. Uh, But yeah, other than that, yeah, I expect us to win the game.
2: Yeah, I expect us to win as well. I think you know Huddersfield have had a difficult start to the season and they are certainly struggling with that second season syndrome. And I think they've almost had a similar run to how we are in that they've, they've been out of form for quite some time now and they really struggled towards the end of last season with just did enough to, to manage to stay up. And I'm glad they did. But for me, they haven't improved on last season. If anything, they've just coasted a little bit. And if you stay static in this league, as as Burnley may very well find out to their detriment as well, and um, you can often find that you just fall behind, and and you can find yourself scrapping in a relegation zone. And at the moment, Huddersfield don't seem to have many ideas. So I think. You know, buoyed by two back-to-back wins and, and a really gritty performance against Cardiff and to have to fight a really ugly game to get three points will just give the Clarets a little bit more confidence. Dave, obviously you've, you've provided us with all stats. Do you share me and Robbie's confidence? Do you think that, that Burnley will get a result on Saturday?
3: Um, I'm hoping so. I'm, I think it'll be tight. I think they'll come with um, a fairly defensive um, attitude. You know, it, it was nil-nil last time. I think they'd be more than happy with the nil-nil draw. I think the the earlier, well, hopefully Burnley can score first. If Burnley score first, and the earlier they score, the better. I think that might put a different reflection on the game. But I think it's, um, it, it will be tight. You know, we, we do sometimes have difficulty breaking sides down when they come with that defensive attitude. And sometimes, you know, they, they'll either grab a nil-nil or they'll, they'll come away with a, a one-nil. We've seen it with uh, uh, West Brom, Brighton, Huddersfield. Teams have done it to us time and time again. So we just need to be a little bit clever. And, and, and maybe something a little bit different. I mean, that, there might still be a reluctance to uh, to change a winning side, but is there a temptation to put Stephen DeFour into the starting 11 on, uh, on Saturday? Oh, who would you drop, though? Well,
2: exactly. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? That's a tough one. I was thinking this, the not Because how can you not play DeFore? I don't know who I would drop. I, and I, oh, I think we have to maybe go... Oh, do we have to go four five one? Mm.
4: I don't think you could play DeFore, Westwood and Cork as a three in central midfield.
2: No, you don't. I think you need to put Hendrick back in there, don't you?
3: Well, Cork's not missed a minute, so he's not going to drop in, is he?
2: So that would suggest Westwood but then that's incredibly harsh because he's been great recently.
4: Yeah, he's probably our most consistent performer.
2: Yeah, well, he's not going to drop Cork, is he? It feels like Westwood's got to be the one then that, oh, I'm gonna, I don't know what, I have no idea. I genuinely have no idea. Listeners, that's your second piece of homework for this week. I want to hear your tweets on who you would drop, who's going to have to go and make room for Stephen Defoe coming back in this side. For what it's worth, I think that Burnley will get a result on Saturday. I... I think the key will be scoring early. Um, if we were away from home, I would worry a little bit about that because Burnley like to stay very you know, static in that first half. They don't like to push too many people forward and they like to be in the game still at half-time and, and hopefully still be nil-nil. Um, and that always leaves you open to attack, especially from a side who are desperate to, to get some points against you. But with Burnley being at home, we do tend to be more positive in the first half away from home. And I think get an early goal in the first half and we will have a comfortable win. That is all we have time for this week, listeners. Thanks to all of our regular contributors. Firstly, to Matt, our producer for editing this podcast and giving us the finished product, which we publish to you all. Thanks to Dave and to Robert for joining me in the studio this evening evening and giving their time up to give such fantastic analysis on what's been a very up and down week for Clarets. But finally, thanks to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this week's podcast. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Never podcast. Until next time.